Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today are life coaches Cindy Chavez and Jackie Gates. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Speaking for myself, I'm happy to be warm and indoors, drinking my eggnog, talking with my friends, and just feeling good on a cold day here in New England. So hopefully your weather isn't as cold as it is here, but... um, Wherever you are in the world, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. And ladies, yes. now Jackie's already set the tone. She, she's already looking tropical today. That she told <laughs> people this was, this was a deliberate attempt to shift things vibrationally. How's it going so far? It goes well, so long as I keep the heater cranked up. <laughs> yeah, they'll do it. Really. <laughs> because tropical wear in you know ridiculous cold temperatures just doesn't go right. So yeah, we're getting yeah. well, better at this though. It's mind over matter, right? Well, if you don't mind, it doesn't matter, of course. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That reminds me of, you know, I'm in Louisiana, so we don't get much of a winter here. But we're famous for our gumbo. And gumbo is definitely something you want to eat when it's cold. So sometimes if you're really wanting it and you... It's still not getting cold. You have to crank up the air conditioner so that you can. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It's all relative. It's all relative. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Speaking of perspective, I want to continue a theme that we've been touching on off and on now for the last couple of weeks here on the show. We've been trying to encourage people who have been sitting on the fence in their own lives in terms of attracting that abundance into their lives. Um, most of us, you know, when we explore that concept for the first time, we're, we're asking, well, can I do it from my couch? And some of us actually try to do that. But it turns out it actually works better when you take some action steps, particularly if they are inspired, because you get there faster. I mean, I, I heard a, a Jonathan Winters joke, an old one. It's the first time I ever heard it, and it really summarized it for me. His joke is, if your ship doesn't come in, swim out to meet it. And that's really what we're talking about, right? Right. Yes. So I wanted to ask you ladies about, I mean, you're both coaches. You're both in business. You've been in various businesses, I know, between you. Uh, I want you to just talk about what it's like mindset-wise and emotionally and so forth to start a business. And how did you get through those first few steps? Because let's be honest, the first few steps are the terrifying ones. The rest are actually easier after that. But those first few steps, ah! (laughs) Well, I think if you're a personal growth junkie, that starting a business is probably the best personal growth experience you could ever have. (laughs) Oh, yes. Without a doubt. Absolutely. (laughs) Nothing hones your your thought work and your mindset patterns and your your deliberate creation and stuff like starting a business. Mm-hmm. And running a business. I, I think your, yes. your business can actually provide you with all the experiences you need to keep growing as a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right? And some of those experiences are um, – I had a, an elderly gentleman uh, that I knew a long time ago and – he used to say that those kind of experiences were, he called them heavenly sandpaper. (laughs) Making you smoother and shinier and more beautiful and they're scratchy and they don't feel good at all. But yeah, (laughs) I I think uh, I'm, I'm curious to know, you said you've been talking about this um, for the last week or so. So I'm, I'm curious what you've already, you know, come up with. Oh, we've had some really interesting input. Um, just the other day on uh, Monday, Selena Dorsey, who is the creator and host of the Law of Attraction World Summits and has done numerous businesses in her past, came onto the show and talked about her roots, so to speak, entrepreneurially. And she grew up in New York City. She grew up actually on the east side of New York. Um, in fact, she tells the story about how she was completely influenced by the 1980s TV show, The Jeffersons, who also were moving on up to the east side of New York. In fact, it's a point of pride for her that at one point in her life, she lived one building away from where the Jeffersons Jeffersons reputedly lived in their show. And it was a really big deal for her. Um, But the way she tells it, when you grow up in New York City, as is true for 
many of the really large competitive cities in the world, you just, you grew up thinking entrepreneurially. I mean, she, she didn't have a whole lot of trouble. I mean, certainly she had to, to take steps at one point in her life to kind of change her friends around so that it was the friends who had the right mindsets and so forth. But it's not too hard to find that mindset in New York City because everybody has an angle. Everybody is trying to figure out, okay, how can I get my piece of the pie to borrow from the, the Jeffersons again? Um, and what ends up happening is it hones you. It, it, it hones you like a, a sword being sharpened or something like that. It, it hones your, your mental process. It, it toughens you up. It basically gives you the tools that you need to survive and to thrive without realizing that that's what it's doing to you. Mm. All you know is you're just trying to figure out, how am I going to pay the rent in this high rent mm. district? Mm. Yeah. Well, so. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, and I grew up in a big city, too. So mm-hmm. I think I feel like, anyway, that I've always – had that kind of mindset without even recognizing it right away. But it's just, it's just what I grew up in. Like we always ran businesses. And, and so for me, it was always the way I was thinking, if that makes sense. You know, it's like they talk about um, a fish in water, you know, it's, it was like natural for me to just decide to open. I mean, I've owned my own businesses and worked for other other businesses, but I owned my first business when I was, I think I was 18. So I've, you know, that's felt, it wasn't terrifying for me. And, and I think that's why is because I just grew up in a family that ran a business and it was just sort of what you did, you know? Um, okay. And my, my parents, um, my, my father and his siblings, um, they were all very successful in businesses. And I don't know about the siblings, but I know that my dad um, had a 10th grade education. He was brilliantly smart and he pioneered um, a lot of really technical things in his industry. But he dropped out of high school in the 10th grade. Um, mm. and, but he had this serious work ethic. Right. And so it, that's just how it was going to be. And so I think that depending on where you're at and what, what you grew up experiencing, you know, it may or may not be terrifying to think about starting a business. For me, it was, you know, especially with in the last couple of decades when I was already grown up, <laughs> I mostly, <laughs> I'm, I'm mostly grown up. Um, it, it was almost more terrifying to think about having to go out and work for someone else, to be honest. <laughs> really? Oh my, wow. <laughs> Well, because I've worked for myself long enough that I like the I like the freedom that I have working for myself. It doesn't mean that I don't work hard, but it also means that I get to sleep till I wake up and I get to set my own schedule and things like that. So I don't know. I, I guess I, I say that if anybody's on the fence about it to, you know, to do the research that you need to do and decide what you want it to look like and hire a coach. I wish uh, I can speak for myself. In fact, I can tell a little bit of my tire journey because when you go through the tire boot camp, which I'm now in the, I'm now a graduate officially, although they haven't announced it, but uh, when you've gone through that, congratulations. Whole, uh, thank yes, you. Yes. Yeah. I took an eight week course and finished it in 26 weeks. I figured that's pretty good. But um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Um, one of the uh, things that they do or that you do when you go through the boot camp is you identify what they call your three transgressors. And my number one transgressor was what the stream called my family curse, which was one long series of failures when it came to anything financial or business related. So I didn't have that background of a whole bunch of entrepreneurs around me. In fact, the few entrepreneurs I did have were slumlords and, and chiselers and people who were tre- cheating other people and like, oh, well, great role models. Thank you guys. <laughs> So for me, it was actually a very, very big deal. But you make a great point. If you have, it depends on what your, your perspective, what your perspective is and where you come from. Because if you come from a perspective that is congruent with and conducive to being in business and enjoying it and feeling good about it, it's going to be a lot easier. And if you come from a background that, you know, just 
that, that's not part of it at all. And you, you get all, you get taught all the stuff about how, uh, you know, oh, money doesn't grow on trees and, uh, who do you think I am? Rockefeller and all this kind of stuff. It's going to be an entirely different experience and, you know, you're going to have different stuff to, uh, to deal with as I know personally. So yeah, I agree with you entirely on that. Mm-hmm. How about you, Jackie? Um, mine, I definitely do not have a single entrepreneurial role model, um, in my family. In fact, we came, my family was very much, um, you show up for work, you do your job well. And, um, if you're lucky, you get paid well and you get promoted. Um, and you, uh, have your fun or you do the creative stuff outside of work, right? Mm -hmm. My dad, my dad was a factory floor manager for many, many years, absolutely loathed it, but need, you know, did the stuff to support us. Um, and constant, consequently our weekends were always decompression zones for dad. So we would go trout fishing or camping or something so that he could, you know, decompress and then he'd gear up again and start again on Monday. Um, and so that was very much my thing. I, I went straight in. I chose not to go to college when I was, um, when I graduated high school, mostly because I really just wanted to be on stage and my folks didn't think that was a, a career. Um, I should do something useful. So, um, so I said, well, then well, I'm not I going to be a doctor or a lawyer. What was wrong with you, right? Yes, exactly. So, um, so I went straight, I went straight into working retail, which, um, I have always had this ability to be vastly employable, which is, you know, it, I, I can basically just show up and people will employ me. This has been how I've been. And so what, what I'm fascinated by when I look at my previous selves is how um, I've always went for the easiest jobs, the ones that I was almost like auditioning for a show that I was guaranteed to get the role in. Right. So, mm. um, so I did that a lot. And then I was doing my theater. Um, I did 25 years of theater where it was, um, not my full-time job. Um, I was either raising my kids full-time or I was, you know, doing working in the wardrobe or something, but I was always either employed or, on stage. There was one of the two. And um, when we got to the States, I wasn't allowed to work for the first 18 months because that's how visa laws work in this country. Um, and we actually had a friend of ours deported for selling tap because she was not the one who had the visa. So we were very, even my daughter couldn't do babysitting. She couldn't get money for babysitting. So we were really careful. But what that did give me was vast amounts of freedom to explore, well, if I did work, what would I do? And again, I'm fascinated that, yes, I played with entrepreneurialism. I went into my uh, network marketing, um, but I did it such from a retail, my, a retail employee mindset that I never made it work. I, I did six network marketing companies and was dismal at all of them. In fact, yeah, and I ended up with um, about $4,500 in debt, which was at the time a secret from my husband. Ladies, don't do that. Um, secrets from your spouses are, are very, very toxic. And so when I finally came clean, um, about my, my debt. It was because I legit had no way to pay it. I had a payment coming up and unless I told my husband, I couldn't, I, I wasn't going to be able to pay it. So there was this hard and awful conversation around the kitchen counter and I decided to go and I, I, I had to find a way to pay my debt. I, it was my debt and I was determined to pay it. And I knew that to keep doing what I was doing, is the definition of insanity, right? I'm not going to try another network marketing company because what I decided was I was going to work on the only common denominator of all six companies, and that was me. Because I had sold everything from makeup to encyclopedias to house care to vitamins and weight loss and all of those. didn't matter what I was selling. It was still me. And so (laughs) being the chronic oversharer that I am, I made a video and put it on Facebook 
And I called it the great quitting. And I said to everybody that knew me, um, this is what I'm doing. I'm quitting everything so that I can be, I can find out who I am underneath all of this. And it was surreal because um, in in doing the thing that I thought I absolutely couldn't do um, for, you know, from a business success point of view, it looked like I was shooting myself in the foot. Um, it turned out to be amazing because I had several hundred comments within the first hour or so from wildly successful people. And then also from people who really resonated with my story, um, all telling me not to quit, which was kind of funny, <laughs> but I still did. Um, and then, um, and I, and it was just such an interesting thing. I got 3000 friend requests in 24 hours on Facebook, which was amazing. Um, so I obviously hit a nerve. And then the next day I decided I was going to clear the stage because I knew enough about myself and theater to go. I cannot be surrounded by the residue, the, the physical stuff that kept telling me what a failure I was. And that was the piles of brochures, the sample boxes, the calling cards, the, all the stuff that you buy in a solution to be when you don't know what to be, right? So, and I had this, this old idea that you bought the accoutrements of success in order to be successful. You can, but you have to do it deliberately. And I wasn't. I was buying it to fill a gap. And so, the following day, I just put my camera on and I said, I'm going to clear my office. And I ended up in tears because there was just so much shame and so much failure embedded in all these things. But it was also an enormous catharsis and thousands of people watched that video. And it was the start of what I call nesting because I had to get real about who I was. And then because I'm an, I was raised to be an employee, I went to work at Starbucks. And because that was the easiest way that I could find to earn enough money to pay the minimum on my credit card debt. And I remember sitting down, I've still got the spreadsheet, working at $8 an hour meant I got $5.50 an hour out. How many hours do I need to work to pay off four and a half thousand dollars? And I sat with that and I, and I just let it be. I stopped trying to make it what it wasn't. I stopped arguing with reality. I stopped doing, trying to be something that I wasn't yet. And I just was me in that moment. And then I got, okay, so what would feel good about this? What would feel good was enjoying my life and working enough hours to pay double the the, the, the minimum payment and then triple. And then, and all the time I was sharing this, I was simply just going on Facebook and doing lives, just doing videos and slowly, but surely people started, I mean, more and more people started following me. And, um, and then about six months in or so, and this is just me being me, right? This is just me being, and I know this now, I was being the contribution that I am, not making myself contribute to the world. I believe that we are the contribution we're here to make. And so that's what was happening. Um, but I still worked retail. And then I became the goddess of lattes, and I was playing with all this theater stuff. And then I, I upgraded to a more glamorous retail job. I went to work for Victoria's Secret. Much prettier. <laughs> Right. And much more glamorous, nonetheless, still retail. Um, and it wasn't until we moved house, we did a whole lot of uh, my my LOA story is fairly. Yeah. When I found the secret, I was working at Barnes and Noble and we we changed our lives within six months or so. And um, but I still hadn't shifted that re that retail retail mindset. So I went back to retail. And then one day I realized I don't need to do this to get what I want. I can change how I, how I collaborate with the abundance of, of the planet to get more of what I want by not having to stand on my feet for eight hours, right? And I started thinking what that might look like. 
And within a few weeks of contemplating how I might make money, but not be in retail. Um, and I was still a full-time mom at that point. So I had to say, I'm still chauffeuring the kids and I have to run the house and all those kind of things. So it wasn't like I could just go off and do something else. I had to navigate these different roles, but I got a message from a lady in Australia who said, um, I've watched every video you've made. I've read every blog post. Please coach me to walk your path. Oh my. And it was like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I got on the phone with the only coach person I knew because I didn't know coaching was a thing. Um, well, I did, but I'd more been like a mentoring business person. I didn't know life coaching was a thing. Um, never mind just coaching her on my path, my journey is like, what? Oh, so I found her and I said, okay, what do I do? She says, well, first you say yes. And oh then God. you work out the details. <laughs> so I did. I said, yes, that's fine. Let's get on. And I, you know, and I, I got onto a, um, a call with her and, um, she said, I, I don't know what you charge, but I can only really afford this. And I said, that's fine. At, and in the meantime, I'm going, it's four times my retail sales. <laughs> like, ah. But that's what happened. And I, I didn't advertise for any further clients. I just started to acclimate with this idea that I had, that I was what she needed. Not that I had to teach her anything, but that I could basically be a director in inverted commas so that I can see how she's becoming what she wants to be just the way I became what I wanted to be. And, um, I, I, that was how I started and I still had to navigate and be coached on. I had to hire a coach to untangle the retail mindset, the, the dollars for hours thing. Um, because that for me, Oh, and the risk of being an entrepreneur <laughs> because it's hella risky. And so, um, it's, of course, it, 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 it's that investment in who you are. You are what you're bringing to the table. You're not selling a product necessarily. We aren't as coaches. We are selling ourselves and our skills and our experience and whatnot. Um, but sometimes you have a product and you need to still be the purveyor of that product that people still want to know about a human. Um, and so, yeah. And so that it took a long time and for, and for, I've been doing this nine years and I would say for a good three or four years, I was still doing basically dollars for hours, vastly undercharging, not understanding the energetics of what I was doing. Um, and now I have coaches, as my clients and I can see where their retail mindset gets caught up and I can see, I can see, and I, and I coach retail people. I've, I've worked with many people who are in a retail job who want something else. It may, it may be a move into management. It may be move into corporate. It may be develop a, a side gig, but there is, there is a, a particular identity when you're, when your abundance only comes from one particular avenue and that avenue is not entirely under your control. And so this is the difference that we have to navigate between um, doing something for ourselves and by ourselves and be paid for by ourselves versus really excelling in a job at which we can receive money for something we do for somebody else in, you know, somebody else's business. Um, and, and I think with the way the world is going, the blend of those things are, is getting more and more vague. Um, mm. you know, we, we, uh, we show up on a, on a webinar and zoom gets paid and PayPal gets paid. And, you know, all these people that are Supporting what what actually looks like a, a one woman show in my case, but it's not. Right? There's there's a vast support system that hasn't always been there. The internet, for one thing, um, right? So mm -hmm. this is where I say when we when we're looking at at starting a business, starting a business now in 2021, 22, very different mindset, 
very different strategy and perspective compared to even 2019, never mind 2009 when I started. So, um, so that's my story, a non-entrepreneurial person who turned out to be an entrepreneur. Um, and you know, it's, it's always a case of identity for me. If you see yourself as a business owner or you see yourself as the CEO, it's very different to, oh, I have this gig on the side, right? Um, and so who do you see yourself as is, for me, the key part of starting and continuing a business. Because you can start it simply because you love doing what you're doing, which is what I was doing, um, and then suddenly realize that people want to pay you for that, and then that brings up all sorts of drama and and old stories and things and you need to navigate through so get yourself a coach really important um and and then you just keep tapping back into who do i want to be who do i want to show up as because that will govern everything you know wow. something you just said i want to comment on um and that's the the side gig you know like the how you see yourself the identity and i'm thinking mm-hmm. you know that if you are working for someone else and you have a side gig or you start a side gig that, you know, there's a way to, to create the perspective for yourself that that side gig is the owner of that is who you are. And yes. this oh, yeah. you're working is your way of putting yourself, of, of, finding a way to support yourself as you grow this thing over here. Right. So it's like, you know, one person could have this, have this thing. Well, I, I actually am an employee of so-and-so or I work for this company and I have this little side gig over to here. Someone doing the exact same thing could decide to take the perspective of I'm the owner of this company. And as it grows, I'm supporting it by doing this work over here. Oh, right? God, yes. like, I, used, I did the same. Yeah. 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 I used to do, I, I used to say, people say, what do you do? And I would say, well, firstly, I'm a full-time domestic goddess because Cindy and I know we, we get on this all the time. Being mm-hmm. a homemaker is a full-time job. Do not think that you only have one job if you're looking after your house and children as well. So I would say I'm a domestic, I'm a domestic goddess and I am a life coach. And then I play at, I used to say, I play at Victoria's Secret three or four times a week yeah, or else absolutely. I would say I tend to my latte addiction at Starbucks three or four times a week. <laughs> right. And, and yeah. all of that was positioning and it had to, and it took time to, and it took a coach to help me to see that. Um, and, and to go, okay, so which role is first, which role is the starring role and what do you want to, it's like, okay, so firstly family and, and, you know, I want to keep my marriage intact. So this is the first role. And then the others slot in. But, and I will say there's a certain amount of privilege in that when the job that I have to take is not because I have to have the money. When, when it's a survival thing, everything goes to what will make you money to put shelter over your head, keep you safe, keep you fed and warm. Those are the things. That's who you are. The, the, the resourcefulness that you create and build within yourself. That is such a, such a beautiful skill to transfer later, but you have to do Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You cannot, um, it, it's far too expensive energetically and financially to not thoroughly look after yourself first and then play with all these different identities. Right. There's some wisdom in that old funny expression when people jokingly say, don't quit your day job. Right. It's like right. That, that day job right. would be the thing. Yeah. It's actually, if you look at it from the perspective of it is the thing that's allowing you to do this other thing, it's supporting you to do this other thing, to grow this other thing. You know, it's funny when my, um, when my son wanted to learn how to be a sushi chef, he was actually a bar back at a sushi restaurant. And <laughs> I said, you know, and he, he told them he wanted to, to be a sushi chef and they laughed at him. You know, he's just this kid. He's, you know, a bar back in the bar. He's like, you know, no. And I said, tell him that you'll, you know, he was still living at home 
college living at home, I said, tell them that you'll work for free until you can make sushi as well as the head sushi chef. And he did. And they, they, then all of a sudden they paid attention. Like, what? Are you serious? So he worked for money as a barback and also worked for, for free for them learning how to make, he would come home with giant bags of cucumbers and just peel and peel and slice until he could do the little, you know, fine things that they were doing. And one day he was just, you know, kind of had enough and he felt like he was being taken advantage of maybe, you know, he's having one of those days, right? And he came home and he said, oh, I said all this working for free and they blah, blah, blah. And I said, whoa, 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 you're not working for free. You're getting a free education. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and now he's a five-star sushi chef and has worked at, you know, restaurants that were going for Michelin star kind of thing. So, but what was he still doing? He was still working the, the bar back job. But if you would have asked him what he was, you know, what did, he would say, I, I'm a sushi chef or I'm learning to be a sushi chef. And the bar back job was just making him some money so he could survive. Right? And so it's that perspective thing if you're just hang with it. But, but always there's a lot of, especially in the coaching world, and I'm sure in some other worlds as well, especially coaching, network marketing. I mean, I can think of, I've been there too. So I can think of a few different things where it's real easy to be very pumped up by, you know, motivational speakers and successful people. And you know inside yourself that you have that potential and maybe even some of that skill or at least that fire. And so then you decide, well, I'm just going to chuck all this over here and I'm going to go do that. And it doesn't have to be that either or, because sometimes it's wise not to quit your day job. But (laughs) like Jackie said, you know, you've got to take care of yourself first and putting yourself in a position where you have no clients and you also now don't have a job, but you're fired up to do this thing. It's not always, you know, the thing that's going Mm -hmm. to be. The easiest. Now, I mean, people do it. And people, people do it, but yes, but it's um, but we don't think that that's a metric of success. It's totally fine to to take a safer route in the starting of a business. Yeah, there's um, no shame in making money how you've made money while you do another no. thing, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, and um, yeah. and that perspective helps hugely when you how you see yourself, um. You know, and it's, and I was talking to a client this morning about this. I made a video once. Um, I was doing a, a 30 day challenge of a YouTube video every day. And, um, and I got home from, I think about a six or a seven hour shift on, on, at Starbucks. And I was still in my black pants and white shirt. And, um, and I sat down and I was trying to, to speak in a way that I thought would be helpful. Um, and I just couldn't. And so I went off and I got changed and I got as theatrical as I possibly could. And then I plunked myself back down in the seat and bam, there it was, right? And so I did the video about this. I had to take myself out of that persona and into who I really am and how I really am so that I could show up as I really am and Walt has disappeared and it, um, <laughs> and it made all the difference in how I communicated. So because our words matter, right? And so when, when I was trying to, to talk about goddessiness and entrepreneurship and stuff in my Starbucks garb, it was much harder. But when I got dressed up as in the role I wanted to play, it made all the difference. So there's a tip for you. Get Find a costume for your next role and wear that. You know, we've talked about this a lot. I've started doing that a few years ago, and it, it just made such a big difference. Like almost every year. Yeah, I decide yeah. on what I want to do that year and what goals I want to have. And, and, how, and, then I, and then I kind of create a role for myself that includes costume. And it's like, yes. how do well, I And nail polish on your – for you, it's all about the nails. Yeah. It's like – I remember getting a text from you saying, I'm doing this new thing. Now I have to find another nail polish. And it was like, of yes. course you do. <laughs> nail polish, lipstick, the jewelry, like how, how does this perfume, which no one else can see, right? But it's like, yes, it all, oh, it's very it important. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, that way I am. Um, go up for it. 
Yes, absolutely. It's it's all about the outsides that help support the insides, right? Because it's so much easier to, like, for example, it's much easier to be an Elizabethan woman when you are dressed as an Elizabethan woman, right? When we did Shakespeare, I always used to be so... It always used to amuse me that these young ladies would go, and they were always younger than me, um, would go from jeans and a T-shirt and sneakers and being able to stride about the stage, right? And, you know, X many steps will get you from stage left to stage right and halfway up the castle side, um, castle stairs, and put them into their Shakespearean corset and the three <laughs> acres of fabric that you have around your ankles. Um <laughs> You know, and sleeves that take up half the stage themselves. And suddenly now you are not moving quite the same way as you did before. And now you are an Elizabethan woman, right? And so it's such an interesting thing to be able to play with as the CEO of this new thing that I'm building. What does she wear? What do they wear? What does he want to be known for? Is there a, is there a, like, uh, we watch the history guy, um, who started off just as a YouTuber and he wears a bow tie all the time. It's a very prim and proper bow tie, right? Not your big flashy ones. And so now it's even part of his logo, the little bow tie, but it was just one of the things that he wore um, just to kind of make himself stand out a little. Um, But his work is so amazing that now it's just become an add on, but initially it was like what he was known for. Um, And so it's, it's, it's a delicious thing to to play with and immensely powerful. Well, you know, you're talking about in thinking about that and something you said earlier or Walt said, we were talking about um, how vastly different, you know, the potential is for being an entrepreneur now as compared to how it was you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And then I think you said, or even in the last couple of years, right, with the pandemic. And I'm thinking about, it's so funny that that Walt had this um, this topic because I've had this conversation already today three times. <laughs> and in one form or another, I've had this conversation with three different people this morning. And the idea that when we create a role for ourselves, you know, we start using the really creative part of our brain. And mm-hmm. sometimes when we talk about creativity or creative creation, we think of, um, you know, art or design or decorating the house or writing a story or something like that. But also when we talk about creation or creating, we're literally talking about like conscious creation, creating all kinds of things, manifestation of whatever, is and so as we create roles for ourselves and we realize that the landscape for you know with with the change going from the industrial revolution to corporate things to now we have the gig economy um, things have changed so much and then the pandemic that some of my conversations with people even this morning were around creative ways to look different perspectives like at particular skills and skill sets. And so, you know, we have, I was speaking with someone who runs a food truck, owns a food truck, right? It's like now the food, since people can't go out as much lately in the last two years, the food can come to them, right? Because we have these delivery services or food trucks. Um, I know someone else, same same industry, and it's like doing pop-up, um, private dinners for people. So instead of someone taking, you know, their family or their uh, clientele out to a fancy restaurant, the, the fancy restaurant experience comes to them. And these are things we didn't think about, you know, a handful of years ago, but we're thinking about yep. it now. I had a conversation with a client today about even working retail or working in sales or selling a thing, how important it is to believe in that thing, mm-hmm. you know, to not try. It's sort of like, like Jackie and, you know, when we are talking about coaching, like we believe in coaching, like we know mm-hmm. coaching can change someone's life. And 
and that we, by changing people's lives, we change the world and we see it. We see it in our own businesses every day. And we've seen it in our own lives when we've hired coaches. Um, I've been a coach for over a dozen years and I hire coaches still. I reach out to coaches if I need a coach um, because I know the, the power in it. Right. And so it's like if selling a widget or you're wanting to make a company that makes something, you know, you've got to have that belief in whatever it is that you're selling. If you do, then people see it and they, they know it and they, mm -hmm. you know, want it because you believe in it. And so I think that's another element that's really important is, you know, when you choose a business, if you're thinking about starting a business, um, is that there are a lot of different factors that you believe in it, that you maybe love to do it, that you do it well, um, that if it's a product that you either make that product well, or you know how awesome the product is. Uh, those are all important too, because it's really hard uh, to make a business work when you don't believe in it yourself. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. and, I, and, I, and I, right. I say that, but think how often people decide to be a certain thing and yet they're only doing it because that certain thing is supposed to bring in a lot of money, right? right. Because yes. in this world, mm -hmm. we need money for everything. We can't do anything without money. You, you know, I think I said this recently, and I'm not sure if it was on the podcast, but the Waddle, Wallace Waddles book, um, The Science of Getting Rich, there's a quote in there that I know I, I, I quoted it to somebody last week, and I might have said it on the podcast, but the quote is that love is denied expression by poverty. Mm -hmm. And I think about that quote a lot. Like if I am, if I don't have enough and in this world, that means most of the time enough money then I can't even express love the way I want to towards the people I love because I don't have the means to do it. Right. I may be able to say, I love you and do kind things for them to what I'm able, but I can't express it in the full would like to because I don't have the means to do it. So how many people decide, well, you know, doctors make a lot of money. I'm going to be a doctor, but they have absolutely no calling. They have no fire. They have no motivation or inspiration for any other reason to go into that field than to just make money. Well, is that really what you want to be? Is like a lousy doctor because that's probably what you might be if you don't really care enough about it. But the people that, you know, I, I have, couple people in my life that from their earliest age, all they wanted to do was work in that field because they wanted to heal people. And these are people that have a vocation, right? They have a yeah. calling. And because of that, even when it's hard, they're still proud of what they're doing. They're still happy with what they're doing. They're still glad to be doing what they're doing. So I think if you're, you know, that's just, this is just my coachiness, I guess. But I mean, <laughs> I think that if you're thinking about starting a business, that these are all things that are important to take, you know, take stock of. Account. Yeah. What yeah. I want to add to that is one of my favorite quotes, which is bloom where you're planted. You want to outgrow where you are because you will take yourself with you. So if you are feeling um, put upon, taken advantage of, under-recognized, any of those things, believe me, within a year or two at your new job or as an entrepreneur, you will be saying the same thing. Nobody values me. Nobody wants to pay me. Nobody recognizes me for my skills. You will take yourself with you wherever you go. And that is, that's the, the brilliance. I, I think it's also the Wallace Wattles book. Or it may be Napoleon Hill, but he talks about um, being a person of increase. In other words, you are going to be so thoroughly blooming where you are planted that you will outgrow the space. And then you are bigger, you, you, you encompass more as you move out into the world. So, for example, my working at, at Starbucks, I was not content to be just I, I never like being just anything, but I was never, not content to be just a barista, right? So I started playing with somebody said, Oh, you know, um, my favorite barista is here. And I went, Oh, I am so much more than a barista. And he said, Oh yeah, you're the goddess of lattes. And I went, boom, thank you. I am the goddess of lattes. 
And uh-huh. on my website, I actually have a whole post that I read, I share often because it's how I became the, the god, how I became a goddess working for Starbucks for eight bucks an hour. <laughs> and it was this identity shift. It's like, I am doing so much more than selling coffee. I'm helping this person get through their morning. I'm giving this, this person the one luxury that they give themselves every day. I am, you know, I'm, I'm teaching some young person how to do a sales transaction. I'm, I'm giving them skills. Um, and this person that I'm comforting in the back room, I'm coaching them and all this kind of thing. So, um, I, I naturally got bigger than this role. Um, and deliberately got bigger than the role. So of course I got poached by the manager of the Victoria's Secret and I went to work for her and then I outgrew that too. And I outgrew that by sharing everything I was doing on Facebook and, and YouTube and my videos and my blog posts and all the rest of it. And so I was constantly increasing. And then somebody said, I see your increase. Can you help me do that? So Know that if you bloom where you're planted, it's, it's by far the best way to grow into who you need to become to be a business owner. So this is, there's a lot of layers here. Um, and there's a lot of thought work that goes into it, but it becomes this knowing that who you be when you start your business is as important as what you do when you start your business yes, and absolutely. you will take yourself with you no matter what. So you may as well start making yourself into a business owner now by taking full responsibility of where you are and blooming where you're planted. Love it. Excellent. Oof. Well said. Yes. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. There's all. a line for autographs later on the left. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go back to something really early in the conversation that you said that you actually kind of tied together right there, Jackie. And Cindy was actually feeding into it also. And it's the idea that each step of the way, what we're really doing is becoming our authentic selves. Mm-hmm. That's my way of expressing it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of reflect back on, my early failures. Interesting. Here's a little side note before I even get to my point. Uh, Will Smith, I found a great quote from Will Smith. He talked about um, how he gets frustrated by people who are afraid of failure, saying that failure is your best teacher. You, you learn all the best lessons. You, you do all the best growing through failure and so forth. And uh, it's true. I mean, and, and literally there's no such thing as, as a successful people, a successful person, excuse me, who didn't go through failures. That's how they got to be successful. You, you don't get the success First shot, you have to go through the failures in order to get to the success. Um, yeah, we just don't always see the, the failures, which is why it looks like an overnight success. Yes, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many overnight successes take 45 years? Yes, please. <laughs> Ask me how I know. <laughs> exactly, yeah. There's a business for fast. Fail fast, mm. fast. Right. Yes, first. So you were, sorry, go back to your point. Well, what were you That's saying right. about uh, your failures? Yes. Anyway, I was going back to when I was in my twenties. Um, when I was doing a considerable amount of failing in a, in a large way, I was, I was very good at failing. Um, I found, I, I discovered ways to fail that hadn't been done before, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a thing to have on your resume. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at one point, 1985, I moved from Connecticut to Oregon. It was my great breaking away from family thing. I figured if you're going to do it, you might as well do it all the way, right? So I went East Coast to West Coast. Got out there. I, I didn't have a job. I had nothing. And talk about cutting, you know, all of your ties, mm-hmm. right? I, I cut all of them. I, I had like, you know thousand dollars in the bank. That was about it. There was nothing else. It was, it was pretty, pretty meager. And I got out there and the economy was even more meager than I realized it was going to be. And it it was, it was a rough go. I was there for nine months. I ended up working for uh, a company that was owned by W. Clement Stone. Oh, wow. Um, And it was actually the company that he had built up to become the successful person that he was. It was an insurance company. Mm -hmm. And when I went to work for the company, I didn't know anything about him at all. I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. 
Um, and I went to work for a guy who was one of the, uh, the high flyers in the company. He was recruiting a whole bunch of people. I was one of the people who was recruited. We went to what was kind of like an Amway sales convention. It wasn't uh, network marketing, but it could have been. I mean, the atmosphere was the same. Um, we went through uh, personalized training and so forth. I went out and did my my first day of selling. It was my best day. I was the best person on the team, and I felt absolutely miserable afterward. Absolutely miserable. Never matched it again. Hmm. Struggled to survive for months at a time, finally got kicked out. In the process of being there while I'm struggling to survive, my manager and the assistant manager, they were doing the best they could. But looking back, I now understand where the big problem was. They didn't know what to teach. They didn't know how to teach it. They couldn't even tell me why it was that what they were doing right was working. So they were models in a sense, but they they weren't coaches by any stretch mm. of the imagination. Mm. And when you were talking earlier on, Jackie, about how um, I don't remember exactly what the, the the line is that you were you were pursuing, but the basic idea was you were realizing that you had to uh, work on yourself first. You were the, you were you realized that you were the core of the problem, and so on and so forth. I didn't realize any of that. I had none of that at all. All I had was this pseudo positive all on the surface plastic thing that I was trying to navigate and couldn't make any sense out of for obvious reasons because it doesn't really work. And I, I was just confused as could be. Mm -hmm. So when I think about this topic that I brought up today, that's, that's the person that I think of. I think about who I was then and what I had to go through and I'm still going through in some ways because I don't think it ever really stops. No. Um, learning how to navigate and overcome absolute, pure, 100% confusion, because <laughs> that's what my life was. It was just one confused patty after the next. It was just one layer of confusion on top of the next one. And over yeah. time, over time, I got there. Over time, I learned stuff. One of the best things I ever did was start this podcast. I learned a ton doing this podcast. But I, I just think about, wow, if that's what I went through, how many other people have gone through that kind of thing? How many oh, of them yeah. are going through it right now? Mm -hmm. You know? So we, yeah. like when you guys were saying hire a coach, well, first of all, I didn't even know there was a coach. <laughs> I didn't there know was, what it Well, let's face it. It wasn't something that was as mainstream as it is now. Yeah. If you were lucky, yeah. you got a mentor who was kind of a coach, even if they didn't have that, that, um, that label per se. You know, I mean, I had directors in the theater that were coaches. I mm -hmm. had, you know, I mean, I remember somebody saying, um, one of my, my, leading men saying to me, you know, you can be, you can act confident. You can be confident, not on stage. You don't have to just pretend you can be that way. I was like, wait, I can be that way when I'm not on stage. Oh, interesting. And, and in his, in his masterclass, RuPaul talked about how his, um, he was saying when he's dressed as Glamazon, how confident he is, she is in that case and how um how they own the room and everything and this and the therapist said you know rude that confidence and everything is available to you when you're dressed as yourself and in in the in the video you can see he said that had never occurred to him that he could translate mm. that knowingness from one to the other and so in the confusion that we feel when especially you know one of the worst things we do to our young people is ask them what they want to be when they grow up. Because yes. like I look at my grandbabies and the things that they're going to be probably aren't even invented yet. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. What I'm doing goes straight over my mother's head. She has no idea what I do. People pay you to talk to you. Really? Right. It's just, so when we play with, who we might be next, a way to undo some of the confusion, if you're relating to what Walt was saying, is focus, and we say, we do this, follow your bliss, but find what feels good. Find what gives you satisfaction to do. You don't have to look for joy. You can simply look for satisfaction and being proud of yourself and do more of that. And then find the things that drive you crazy and like make you wince and gut clench and, all, and do less of those. And 
this is how you navigate towards what you want. Also, that thing that you're unhappy about, like Jackie said, at some point she had to say, okay, I've worked for six different multi-marketing companies and I'm the common denominator. So I had the same experience multi-level marketing, although I did have my own experience there, but I had worked for so many different people and I always had the same experience. We love you so much. Oh my God, what would we do without you, Cindy? You have changed our lives. We just blah, blah, blah. But they piled more and more work on me and I never got compensated properly for it. My, my responsibilities grew, but my paycheck didn't grow. Well, at some point I had to say to myself, gosh, this happens to me at every single job. I'm the common denominator. How am I contributing to this? And I was contributing to it because I had really weak boundaries. And I would say yes with a big smile on my face, no matter what they asked me to do and no matter how much work it became, how many more hours, how many more piled on. And then I never said, well, you know, I never negotiated a better a better pay check, right? So at some point when I realized, oh, this is all on me, <laughs> right? It's not that no one appreciates me. It's that I'm not appreciating myself and I am not Mm -hmm. causing my value to literally appreciate like we what does appreciation mean and so I started asking for it I started saying or I started saying no you know oh can you do this too no I really can't no Mm -hmm. and watch people (laughs) fall over the first time you do that oh my god (laughs) so it's, it's called you know radical responsibility which it takes big responsibility to start a business but that responsibility can start right now with you taking responsibility for everything you experience. And if you don't like what you're experiencing or the treatment that you're getting or the compensation that you're getting or whatever it is, you can take responsibility for that too. And stop saying yes when you mean no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And then just, you know, decide what yeah. you want and then negotiate yeah, that and- for yourself. And your outsides will always be a reflection of your insides in in some way or another. You will be able to see what's happening if you take clear, as as unemotional as possible, as as objective as possible view of uh-huh. how things. And and that's not always easy, which is why we need coaches, right? Because we get very we we see things as we are, and therefore hiring somebody to help us see what we're not seeing huge investment in growth because we, you know, we can't read the jar label when we're inside the jar. And, you know, you can't, you don't know what the coding error is when you are the program. So you have to get somebody, and it doesn't have to be a coach. I mean, it would be, it would be wise if you had somebody skilled, but this is what, you know, the the elders did around coffee tables and kitchen tables and, you know, people and, and ask somebody who's doing what you want to do, take them out for coffee and say, how did you get to be this and take notes? I used to make sure that, um, I would invite whatever leading actor was visiting our theater. I would invite them for lunch. I would take them to lunch and I would just make notes about how they be, not just what they do, but how they be, because that's the piece that you need to master. Wow. I had no idea what this uh, show was going to be like. I certainly didn't expect being knocked out in the middle of it, but uh, that's going to stop the conversation. We can't be going. You can catch up later. Yeah. I mean, I'll be listening to that part. I'll be enjoying it. But wow, this is really, this exceeded my expectations in every way. So thank you, ladies. Yay. This has been fabulous. You gave, Yay, you gave me, so I, I'm going to be using this for, you know, cutting up, making little pieces like I'm doing with these other shows and, and you gave me some good pieces to make. So. Oh, yeah. that'd be so nice. Yes. Yes. Okay, awesome. 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 We got it. I guess, I guess tomorrow. And... Needs, sorry. I was going to say, oh, if, you, if anybody listening wants to dive into this further with Cindy or me, then they can get hold of us. By the way, yes. How do they do that? How do they reach you? Uh, JacquelineGates.com. Um, that's, I'm Jacqueline at JacquelineGates.com. Send me an email. I'm with me. CindyChavez.com. Cindy. 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 Cindy.
we don't make it hard to talk to us. It's, it's like you, you make it really, really it. easy, actually. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do that. the thing that your future self wants you to. <laughs> I like that one too. Uh, just a reminder, we got a couple of guests coming up this week. Thursday, Donna Ferguson joining us, also a coach. It's going to be another interesting coach conversation. Friday, Doug Vermeeran, the creator of the Six Minute Workday. I'm really looking forward to hearing about that one. So Ooh, this wow. Yes. These are live streamers. But in the meantime, thank you, ladies, very much. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. And we will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.